Well, church, this morning I do want you to think with me about the topic of encouragement. And let me begin with a story that I read this week. It says this, parents often encourage their kids to go to college. But Bob Kuchenberg, formerly of the Miami Dolphins, may have given the best reason yet in an interview with Newsweek. He said, my father and uncle were human cannonballs in carnivals. Did you hear that? Human cannonballs in carnivals. My father told me, son, go to college or be a human cannonball. Then one day my uncle came out of the cannon, missed the net, and hit the Ferris wheel. I decided to go to college. <laughs> the Bible has a lot to say about this topic of encouragement. And here's the verse that I'd like to start with. It's from the, the book of 1 Thessalonians. It says this, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. And when I read the verse this week, I was thinking about um, Paul. He was a follower of Jesus in the first century, and he's trying to encourage the people in the city of Thessalonica. And he says, hey, way to go. You know, keep building each other up and encouraging one another. And I would say the same thing to you, church family. Keep encouraging one another and building each other up. And I just want to tell you, I see this happening all the time. And I am so encouraged because this is an encouraging place to come. Now, this morning, as we look at this topic of encouragement, I want us to consider three key questions. The first is this, what is encouragement? And then why do we need it? And then finally, how does it work? So let's take a look at this first question. What is encouragement? I've given you a definition on your outline this morning. Encouragement is a kind of expression that helps someone keep trying to do what pleases God even when life is hard. Encouragement are words and, and actions that give people hope and, and support and comfort. Now, the fact is that we all need encouragement. Um, sometimes it's because of a crisis. Sometimes it's because, you know, life just isn't working out the way we had planned. Sometimes we need encouragement because we're sick or we're tired or we're sick and tired at the same time. Um, it could be that, you know, somebody made a promise and they let us down and we need somebody to encourage us. And this happens. We let ourselves down and we need to be encouraged. Now think about this, what kind of person encourages you? Now these are some responses from a survey that I read this week. Who encourages you? Somebody who listens and doesn't immediately tell me I was wrong. Someone who tries to understand how I feel. Someone who makes me feel special. Isn't that encouraging when somebody does that? Somebody that I can disagree with and not be afraid that they will get angry. Someone who sees hope for me no matter how bad things seem to be. Now, here's the flip side. What kind of person discourages you? And again, from the same survey, here are some responses. Somebody who expects me to be perfect and is never satisfied no matter how much I do. Somebody who only notices my bad points. Somebody who's always too busy to listen. Somebody who embarrasses me and doesn't even know it. Now, the Bible clear, is clear that God wants to encourage us, but... Why do we need encouragement? What are some of the benefits of encouragement? Well, let me point out a couple this morning. Here's the first. Encouragement keeps us from developing a hard heart. Corazón duro. That's how they say it in Spanish. That's how they say it in Colombia. A hard heart. And this is really, really important. Take a look at this verse from Hebrews. It says this. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage each other annually. What does it say there? Yeah, encourage each other daily as long as it's called today. And here's a reason. So that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Now here's the reality that 
sometimes we get a hard heart. Why is that? Because the world's a really hard place. I mean, there's a lot of pain and, and heartache and disillusionment in our world. And when you have a hard heart, it is really, really hard to both give and to receive encouragement. Think about it this way. How many of you have ever had a dead battery on your car? And think about that process. You realize, oh, no, my battery's dead. And then some good person comes alongside with their car. And they go, oh, can I help you? Oh, yes, do you have jumper cables? And you know how it goes. They connect their battery to your battery, and the electricity flows from their battery to your battery, and your car starts, and now you're really encouraged. But see, that's how encouragement really works. You know, you realize, oh, man, I'm really discouraged. And then, hey, there's a person who comes alongside you. And encouragement flows from their heart to your heart, and now everything's different. But here's, here's an interesting analogy. If you have a lot of rust on your battery terminal, it's an impediment to that electricity flowing into the battery, isn't it? And see, when you have a hard heart, it's like rust on your heart. It's hard for the encouragement to flow into your heart, and it's hard for the encouragement to flow out of your heart. It reminds me of a story that I, I heard one time about when the devil had a garage sale. Have you heard this one? It's not in the Bible. Let me just tell you that. Okay? Um, the devil has a garage sale, and he's auctioning his best tools, you know, to the highest bidder, things like pride and envy and jealousy. And so this guy comes into the garage sale, and he looks over in the corner, and he sees this one special tool, and he says to the devil, hey, I want that one. He goes, oh, no, that one's not for sale. And the guy says, why not? And the devil says, I would never, ever part with that tool. In fact, that's the best tool I have to use against people. And the person says, well, what is that tool? The devil says, that is a tool of discouragement. How does Satan discourage us? How does he harden our hearts? And the simple answer is this, by getting us to believe his lies. And so often the lies that we tell ourselves are really an echo of the lies of the enemy. How many of you know who Eeyore is? You know who Eeyore is? Right, the, you know, is he blue? Is he a blue donkey? Yeah, I was thinking about the donkeys in Honduras. Yes. And so, you know, Eeyore just doesn't have a very good opinion of himself, and he's always saying things like, don't worry about me, nobody ever does. Right? Ever say that to yourself? Nobody, is, nobody cares about my life. Um, ever say this to yourself? Man, I did it again. I am never going to change. Listen, when we listen to the lies of the enemy, and often the things we tell ourselves are echoes of those lies, it really discourages us. So what do we need? We need God's truth to encourage us. So let's take a look at this brief video. And let me just say, um, we use this video in Honduras. We have a Spanish version. We're going to use the English version this morning. But I hope that this video in just a couple of minutes will pour encouragement into your heart. Let's watch it together.
it always amazes me how encouraging God's truth is. Isn't that true, church family? And I hope that encouraged you this morning because here's the thing. We need to listen to the voice of truth. We need to listen to God's word so that we don't have a hard heart that is discouraged. Now, here's another benefit of encouragement. This is also in your outline. Encouragement stimulates the hope that help is available for the problems we face today. Encouragement stimulates the hope that help is available for the problems we face today. One of the things that can really discourage us is when we're going through a really tough situation and we think there is nobody that can help me. Have you ever said that to yourself? And, and there's this, it's kind of a predictable progression of discouragement over difficult problems. And at first you feel um, discouraged and then you get depressed and then you just fall into despair. There's no way out. Now what is the opposite of despair? Four-letter word starts with an H, ends with an E, has an O-P in the middle. What is it? Hope. And listen, God always, always wants you to live with hope. In fact, if you ever hear a voice discouraging you, that is never the voice of God. Do you realize that? God always wants to encourage you. In fact, look at this verse from the book of Romans. It says this, everything written in the past. That's a direct reference to the Old Testament scriptures. Everything written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have what? Hope. God wants us to live with hope. And you know, when you run into a situation and you think, nobody can help me, well, you need to rethink that because there is somebody who can help you. And I love the verse in Psalm 46. It says, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in times of trouble. Somebody said one time that a Bible that's falling apart is usually owned by somebody who's not. Isn't that a great statement? A Bible that's falling apart is generally owned by somebody who's not because that Bible represents somebody who really understands the promises of God. And listen, when it feels like your world is falling apart, God so often can hold you together through the encouragement of other people. And we see a great example of that in the Bible. Um, there was a group of believers that were just really discouraged. And so Paul, um, a believer in Jesus in the first century, sent a young man, Timothy, to encourage them. And this is what it says in 1 Thessalonians. It says, we sent Timothy, who's our brother and God's fellow worker in spreading the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you in your faith. Why? So that no one would be unsettled by these trials. When you're going through a tough time, when you're going through a trial, you need people who will come alongside and encourage you. Now, here's another reason that we need encouragement. Reason number three, encouragement enables us to accomplish what God has called us to do. Encouragement enables us to accomplish what God has called us to do. Now, I want to show you a verse. This is um, actually God speaking to Moses, and God's telling Moses to encourage Joshua, the young leader who's going to succeed Moses in leading Israel. And it says this, this is God speaking, commission Joshua and encourage and strengthen him, for he will lead the people across the Jordan. That is the Jordan River. He will give them all the land you now see um, before you as their possession. Now, let me ask you this. Um, did it take a long time for Israel to finally end up in the promised land? How long did it take? 40 years. How many of you have been waiting on God for 40 years? I, I wait on God for four hours, and it seems like an eternity sometimes. But has that ever happened to you? It's like, God, uh, I thought you would have done something by now. And, and think about this. Israel is, is waiting on God. Did they run into any obstacles along the way? Yeah, one after another. Does that ever happen to you? You run into one obstacle and then another, and when that happens, it is so easy to get discouraged, which is why we need people to come alongside and encourage us so that we can accomplish 
what God's called us to do. Now, here's another benefit of encouragement. Encouragement helps us change. Encouragement helps us change. One of the most discouraging things that we experience is when we're trying to change and we're not making any progress. Um, it feels like, you know, you're taking one step forward and two steps backwards. You know, for example, you're trying to be more sensitive to the needs of your spouse and then you just end up being selfish. Or, or maybe you're trying to get a handle on your anger and you try really, really hard, but you lose your temper again and again. Church, here's the reality that God is at work in us. We know the Holy Spirit gives us the ability to change. But in addition, we need people who will come alongside us and encourage us to keep going and to keep trusting Jesus. In fact, this is a great verse about encouragement, and it talks about the encouragement that Jesus himself gives us. Take a look at this, and this is actually a prayer that, that Paul is praying. May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and by his grace gave us, notice this, eternal encouragement and good hope, encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. Now, so far, we've defined encouragement. We've talked about why we need it. But there's one question I want to address now. How does encouragement work? And we know this, that when it comes to encouragement, our words are very, very important. So what kind of words will encourage other people? And here's the answer. Words that encourage are prompted by love. They're prompted by love. Check out this verse. It says, your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the saints. Now, for encouragement to want to work, you have to want to encourage other people, right? And what is it that will motivate you to encourage others? The fact that you love them. Think about this. Does God want to encourage you right now? I hope you know the answer. Does God want to encourage you? Why? Because he loves you. Exactly. And that should be the motivation that we have to encourage others. So let's say that you see somebody and they're kind of looking like Eeyore. Okay? They need some encouragement. What do you say to them? Because sometimes we say words that we hope will encourage, but they could have the opposite effect. You know, for example, a parent says to a child who's nervous about the first day of school, hey, I don't know what you're nervous about. I was never nervous going to school, and I had to walk five miles in the snow with holes in my shoes. That doesn't really encourage, does it? Or how about this? The person who's waiting for a medical report, and uh, their friend says, hey, don't worry. It's, uh, it's probably nothing. You'll be fine. Well, what if it is something that I'm not fine? Or the woman who's talking to a friend about her marriage and her friend says, you know, I always knew you could do better than him anyway. Those are not words that encourage. Words that encourage are not only motivated by love, words that encourage are directed toward fear. They're directed toward fear. Now, there are all kinds of things that people are afraid of. Isn't that true? We have all kinds of fears and anxieties. And when God wants to encourage us, his words are motivated by love and directed toward our fears. And let me show you a great example of this. This is from Isaiah chapter 43. This is God speaking to his people. But now, O Israel, the Lord who created you says, do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you go through deep waters and great trouble, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. Isn't that encouraging? And here's how it works. God speaks words that are motivated by love and directed toward fear. Now, what is the first emotion mentioned in the Bible? What do you think? It's the one we're talking about. It's fear. And who experiences fear? Well, Adam and Eve experienced fear in the Garden of Eden. Remember the, the story where they disobey God and God comes looking for them? And then this is what we read. It says, the Lord God called to the man, where are you? 
Adam answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Now, what is Adam afraid of? Well, it says that he was afraid because he was naked. But you see, Adam is not just trying to hide his body from God. He's trying to hide his heart from God because he doesn't want God to see how much his heart has changed because for the very first time, there is guilt and there is shame and there is regret in Adam's heart. For the very first time, Adam is afraid. Now, what is he afraid of? Well, he's afraid of God's punishment. He's afraid that now he's going to be separated from God. He's afraid because he doesn't know what the future holds for, for himself and for Eve. And this is what God does. This is absolutely amazing. God knows in that situation that Adam and Eve are so fearful because now a curse has fallen on them and in all of creation. But God does not send them away. He doesn't drive them out of the Garden of Eden without giving them hope. And so with a heart full of love, with words that are directed toward their fear, God makes a promise that one day this child of Eve is coming. And this is a prophecy about who? Remember, if you don't know the answer, it's probably... And it is Jesus. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming to rescue the, the sons of Adam and the daughters of Eve. And this is an amazing example of encouragement. But you see, the gospel itself is the most encouraging thing that we could ever hear or experience. And I want you to think about this. If you really believe the bad news about the gospel, if you believe that you're a sinner, you're separated from God because God's holy and you're not, when you believe, oh, okay, God is just and he has to punish my sin, I can't save myself, what emotion do you think you would experience when you really believe that? Yeah, exactly. And I was thinking about the, the hymn, Amazing Grace. It says, "'Twas grace that taught my heart to fear and grace my fear relieved. How precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed. Believe what? that God made a way out, that God loves me like nobody else, that, that Jesus, because of his great love, comes to the world and, and makes a way for me to be rescued, that he dies on a cross and, and he takes my sin upon him and, and he dies the death that I deserve and he came back to life and now he says, hey, come and follow me and I'll, I'll show you a new way to live. It's a life of, of hope. It's a life of joy. It's a life of encouragement. And notice this, it is a life without fear. And that's what the Bible says. The Bible says that perfect love casts out fear because fear has to do with punishment. And when you're a Christian, you no longer have to fear the punishment of God because that punishment was poured out on Jesus. And see, this is why the gospel is so important. When I was in Honduras, I did a seminar with the pastors there, and we were talking about developing gospel friendships. And the idea is that when we look at everything through the lens of the gospel, when we put on our gospel glasses, it changes everything. And we can encourage ourselves and encourage each other daily, hourly if necessary, with the truth of the gospel. Because listen, Christian, if you're a Christian this morning, listen, you're, you're totally accepted by God. You're deeply loved. You're completely forgiven. If you're a Christian this morning, then that means that you have a new record, a new identity, a new potential. Christian, listen, you have nothing to prove to God. Because Jesus has proved it all. You have nothing to hide and you have nothing to fear. And that's wonderful news. That's encouraging news. And if you're not a believer, I want to just say, hey, the most important, the most incredible decision you can ever make is the choice to follow Jesus Christ. And I encourage you, if you've never trusted Jesus, to do that. And let, let me just say this. If you look at your outline, there's a statement that says, one person I will encourage today is... I." I I don't want us to just, you know, talk about encouragement today. I want us to actually do it. And so think about somebody who needs your encouragement today. And you could send them a text message. Um, not yet. 
Okay, wait till the service is over. Um, you could send them an email. You could do it old school, write them on a card, you know, call them on the phone, whatever it is. But use your words to encourage somebody. And let me just give you some examples because I thought, oh, here's a short list of things that would encourage me and I think they would encourage others. For example, if you write, hey, I appreciate how hard you're trying to change. That's a way to encourage. Or this, um, thank you for always looking for ways to encourage me. I'm here if you want to talk. Hey, God can help you through this. Don't forget, I'm praying for you. Those kinds of words deeply encourage us. Well, church family, let me close with a story this morning that I think is, is incredibly encouraging, and it goes like this. For years, William Wilberforce pushed Britain's parliament to abolish slavery. Discouraged, he was about to give up. His elderly friend, John Wesley, the famous preacher, heard of it and from his deathbed called for pen and paper. With trembling hand, Wesley wrote, Unless God has raised you up for this very thing, you will be worn out by the opposition of men and devils. But if God be for you, William, who can be against you? Are all of them stronger than God? Go on in the name of God and in the power of his might till even American slavery shall vanish. Wesley died six days later. But because of his encouragement, Wilberforce fought for 45 more years. And in 1833, three days before his own death, he saw slavery abolished in Britain. My friends, listen carefully. The words that you use today, the words you speak, the words that you write, not only have the power to change somebody's life, the words of encouragement that you speak, that you say today, have the power to change our world. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much uh, for your encouragement this morning. And I pray so, so very much, God, that we're all encouraged by your truth and by your grace and by your goodness. And, and Lord, today I pray that you would make us an encouragement to others. Lord, I, I think especially of a person who maybe has come to this place and has never really made that decision to trust Jesus. I pray today would be the day that changes everything that God, even right here, right now, in their own words, they could just say to you, God, I need you. Uh, I know I'm a sinner, and I need a Savior, and I know his name. His name is Jesus. I believe that he died for my sins and rose from the dead, and I want to follow him. God, that simple prayer, when it's prayed from, a, from an authentic heart, is one that you always hear. And God, you run to rescue us. I thank you, God, that you ran to rescue me and, and you give us the privilege to, to say these words that encourage others so that others can be rescued. Father, I pray for Boynton Beach Community Church to be a place that is full of encouragement, full of hope, full of joy, full of peace, because you're here, God. And Lord, would you please teach us how to do this because you know how hard life can be, God. You know right now that the burdens and the pressures and the, the problems that are right here in the lives of the people that you've called to worship you. God, would you please do this? Lift up our heads today. Help us to realize that you want us to do more than just get by. God, you want us to live a new life. Jesus called it an abundant life, the best life there is. But God, we can't do that without encouragement. So even now, God, as we sing this last song, would you pour your encouragement into us so that we can encourage each other? For we pray in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. Church family, let's stand, and as we sing, I really pray that right now you will be deeply encouraged.